The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Matt couldn't be here this week, so I'm riding solo here with another episode. Uh, We're going to try to make this short and sweet today. Uh, And I guess coming in hot with about as uh, as much interest, as much life, as much futility as the Bills showed last week um we're coming in hot with the bills and man a season that started in so much promise a season that started with everybody thinking myself included this was the year this was the year we're finally gonna win it um favorites in every single football game this year both both uh, regular season and preseason, including the game against Kansas City, um, including the game that the DeMar Hamlin game that got canceled, still favorites against uh, Cincinnati, Kansas City, um, favorites opening week against the defending Super Bowl champions. Just to see it end the way that it ended, utter shock, utter disappointment, utter embarrassment, utter just a lot of answers that are going to need to be answered um, at some point during the offseason. And I get it. There are games, you know, this season, this team has been through a lot. Um, You talk about, you go back to the, the game where the, you know, they had to play in Detroit. Um, you had to play because of, uh, you know, the blizzard, the game got moved. I forgot which team it was, but basically you lost the home game. You played in Detroit. Um, then after that Thanksgiving game, you lose Von Miller for the season. Uh, if you go back before that way back in, I think week two, week three, you lose, uh, Micah Hyde for the season which apparently um, there's rumors out there that if we had beaten the Bengals on Sunday, he would have been available and probably played during the Kansas City game or at least had medical clearance. Um, So that's out there. You deal with the injury from Josh Allen where his throwing elbow got messed up in the Jets game. Uh, You deal with the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. Um, you deal with yet another blizzard like you've never seen um, later in the season a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was just one um, one obstacle to overcome, one just thing after another after another. I get it. Um, 
there are seasons that I've been a part of, whether it's been as a coach or as a player, um, an athlete, you just, at some point, you're like, oh my God, just like get me to the end of this season. Like I am exhausted. I get all that. And you can tell as the season came to a close, you can tell that it was, this team was, they looked very much like the old cagey veteran who's just, you, it reminds me of major league, um, the pitcher, the old pitcher, uh, in the final game, um, Harris, I forgot what the pitcher's first name was, where he's just, he's like, they finally pull him for Rick Vaughn. He's like, I, I'm throwing everything I can to Skipper. He's like, I, I've got room for one more. I've got time for one more. He's like, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna to bring in the wild thing. I mean, they, the team was just, they were gassed. They had nothing left. And you could tell that right off the bat. Um, in fact, watching the game at home, uh, Vicky and I were actually thinking of going to the game, but decided not to. Thank goodness. But uh, watching the game from home, you could tell defensively after that first drive, it was just a oh. And then the way the offense looked in that opening drive. And then after they, again, Cincinnati in the second drive, marched right down the field. Before a blink of an eye, it's 14 nothing, And then Buffalo goes 0-3 again. So you're talking Kansas City marched down on two drives, two touchdowns, where they made it look easy. Buffalo couldn't even get a first down on their first two drives. I think their combined total of offense in their first two drives was 11 yards. Kansas City was averaging in their opening two drives, more than 11.3, 11 and a half, almost 12 yards a play. Buffalo in six plays couldn't get, could barely get a first down. It was, it was just lights out. Not only that, players-wise, just coaching-wise, got out-coached, outclassed. And I feel like that's a growing trend in the playoffs where it's just happening more and more and more, especially, I hate to say it, but especially our defense. I'm tired of going into, you know, uh, last year in the playoffs against Kansas City, it was, oh, these offenses are great, these offenses are great. It's going to be, well, Buffalo's defense is way better than Kansas City's. Buffalo's defense is way better. That's going to be the difference in this game where we're going to be able to shut down Kansas City's defense and our offense is going to you know, run roughshod over Kansas City. Well, our offense ran roughshod over Kansas City last last year, but defense couldn't couldn't stop a cold. It was just more of that back off, back off, back off, and then 13 seconds, we really backed off. It was another thing of being outcoached. Yesterday's game, or not yesterday's game, Sunday's game. Again, oh, well, Cincinnati's defense, their secondary look doesn't look that good. Their offensive line is, they're, they're down three offensive starters on their offensive line. We're going to, you know, our pass rush is going to destroy. We're going to be able to get to Burrow with only rushing four, and our defense is going to be this, and our secondary is amazing, and we've got linebackers at the... And our offense or our defensive line got nowhere near Joe Burrow. And our cornerbacks backed off and backed off and played, I don't even know what you want to call it, cover two, cover whatever. 
back everybody up 15 yards. I mean, it was embarrassing. Every single catch, especially on that opening drive, by the time the receiver caught it and turned, I don't think anybody was near within 10 yards of them where they're having five to 10 yards of open space after they catch and turn. It was awful. I get it. You want to play that too high shell. I get it. You're worried that Chase, you're worried that Higgins, you're worried that Boyd um, are going to beat you over the top. But you cannot just give them five to 10 yards of open space and expect to hold them at all. I mean, they made it easy. It looked like it was a preseason game and the defense didn't want to show anything for the regular season. Like they were just, well, let's play as vanilla as we can. Let's play as backed off as we can. It was atrocious. And I'm sorry, people are going to play the Von Miller card. People are going to, well, if Von If Von Miller was there that game with that style defense that they played, that game would have been no different. If Micah Hyde was there and that they implemented that strategy and played the way that they did on those first two drives, it would have been nothing different. They got flat out embarrassed. And then our offensive line looked like we were stuck in the mud. We all, Cincinnati only got one sack on defense, but it could have very easily been, I don't know, 10. I mean, they were harassing Josh Allen all day. He had no time in the pocket. He had, I mean, he was, he wasn't able to run, scramble, get outside. And everything that he managed to get off, the game plan was simply just not there. They didn't look like they had a game plan. They didn't try to establish any of the run. Not only did they not try to establish any of the run, I have no idea what they were trying to do on offense. I mean, it looked like a combobulated, a discombobulated mess. It looked unorganized. It looked like, it looked like a week where they hadn't practiced. It looked horrible. It looked like they. It looked like the only one who wanted to be there was was Diggs. And all that stuff of oh, he's he's throwing a fit. He's good. I'm glad he's throwing a fit, and I'm glad he was pissed off. And I'm glad he was up in everybody's face in the sidelines or whoever's face he was in the sidelines. Because if I had teammates that were playing like that too, I'd be pretty pissed off too. I mean, it didn't look like anybody gave a damn. It was embarrassing. And I get it. You've gone through a lot. But when you are one win away from getting back into another AFC Championship game, getting to an AFC Championship game, and on top of that, they're no dummies. They knew Mahomes in the game on Saturday. 
high ankle sprain. Who knows how well he's going to be. This could very easily be Cincinnati going into Kansas City and running over them because you've got an injured Patrick Mahomes who that team struggled if they were playing basically anybody besides the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, they would have lost. So a little should have been extra motivation. Let's get by Cincinnati. You've got DeMar Hamlin in the building, your boy, your brother, back in the building. And this is, I don't want to say this is how you honor him, but this is what you show him. Like, just nothing in every aspect of that game. Outcoached, outplayed, out everything. It was a, it was truly a varsity team against a JV team. And I feel like in big games, that's been happening too much lately. That's been the theme. Not even so much that we've just been getting outplayed but definitely out-coached, out-schemed, out-everything. Or we come in and the excuse is, well, we're too timid. The ex- Well, you know, we, 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 we wanted to play a little backed off. We, we didn't go after it. We didn't whatever. I don't want to be that guy, but has this coaching staff taken them as far as they can? Did we overestimate the players that we had? I think we did. Are we focusing too much on defense? And this is what happens. And I I was worried. Obviously, I think McDermott, a very good coach. But I was worried when you hire a defensive-minded head coach because you get a defensive-minded organization where the league has clearly, over the last couple of years, has clearly shifted to an arms race. You've got to have receivers. You've got to have tight ends. You've got to have a quarterback, which they have. You've got to have good running backs. You've got to have good offensive linemen. Other than trade, other than drafting Josh Allen with with uh, McDermott's or uh, Beans first draft, because I don't think he was there for McDermott's first or the Trey, Trey White draft, but whatever. Other than drafting Josh Allen and other than swinging the trade for Steph Diggs, this team has invested nothing into their offense. It's been Trey White, McDermott's first year here, first round draft pick. It's been Greg Rousseau. It's been Ed Oliver. It's been Boogie Basham. It's been uh, A.J. Epinesa. It's been Tremaine Edmonds. It's been defensive lineman, defensive line, Kyrie Elam. It's been cornerback. It's been linebacker. James Cook. I think the only the only offensive player that they've taken in the top three rounds or in Singletary. Was Singletary a third round pick? But other than that, linebacker. Defensive end. Defensive end, defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive end, defensive end. I swear to God, if they draft a defensive end this year, I'm going to flip. Enough. They trade up and get a wide receiver. 
I don't care how far you've got to trade up. Trade up and get a, a wide receiver, a top wide receiver, a middle-of-the-road wide receiver. And I'll be, I'll be one to admit it, especially after Gabe Davis's Kansas City game last year where he went off. Oh, my God, this guy's the next. This guy's, he's perfect. Him and Diggs are going to be a number one. They're going to be the best wide receiver combo in the, not only in the AFC, in the NFL. They're going to be awesome, awesome. Davis couldn't catch a cold this year. Just drop after drop after drop after one game of a good catch and drops. He had a horrible case of the drops this year. But again, he was a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, a late-round pick. Shakir. Again, we're talking a fifth-round, fourth-round, fifth-round, sixth-round receiver. What was he really going to do this year? Jamison Crowder, I get it, went down with an ankle injury. Nothing you can really prepare for for that, but... He went down during the preseason. Shouldn't you be looking for somebody to replace him, to replace the replacement for Cole Beasley? Isaiah McKenzie. He is just not a big-time receiver. He'll fumble. He'll have the drops. For every one or two great plays he does, he'll have five or six drops. He's a gadget guy. He's the guy that... Two years ago, three years ago, they were doing jet sweeps. They were doing end arounds. They were doing runs with him, and they're just all of a sudden, nope, not going to do that anymore. He's not a receiver receiver. He's not a reliable receiver. Then you're going to bring John Brown back. Then you're going to bring Cole Beasley back and expect these guys to just spark life and rejuvenate everything. There's a reason why when they when John Brown left the Bills, he couldn't catch on with another team other than a practice squad here or maybe a game or two here. Same thing with Cole Beasley. There's a reason nobody in the offseason picked him up. Then he went to Tampa Bay and retired after two games or a game. You have to upgrade that position, the offensive line was, especially down the stretch, horrendous this year. Spencer Brown might very well turn into a a, a good offensive. He's not there yet. He's not good, and he couldn't stay healthy. Deion Dawkins has not been the same Deion Dawkins since he had COVID. I don't know if he's still fighting the illness. I don't know if that illness took way more out of him than he even lets on to believe he has not been the same left tackle since he came back from his time on COVID. Mitch Morris. Concussions, I don't know what's going on. He, again, can't stay healthy. You bring in Questenberry, you bring in these guys. They're, again, serviceable, but not an offensive line that you not, nothing to write home about. You've got to build that offensive lineup. Now, Cincinnati, when Burrow's contract, new contract kicks in, or when he gets his new contract, when Chase is up for his new deal, and I think he's got two more years on his rookie deal after this year, maybe three, 
T. Higgins one or two years on his rookie deal left. When those guys start, again, who knows if they're going to be able to keep them all. I doubt it. But would have been nice if Buffalo was able to draft a great rookie this year and have somebody that they could pair on a cheap rookie deal with Diggs. Or at the trading deadline, we couldn't go after Kadarius Tony. We couldn't have picked up Juju Smith cheap like the Chiefs did in the offseason. We couldn't have, okay, we probably with our salary cap, probably couldn't have went after Tyreek Hill. But did we really need Von Miller? Could we have gone after Tyreek Hill if we had Von Miller? Didn't have Von Miller? We've got, we've got nothing on the offense other than Diggs and Allen. Only two people that irreplaceable on that offense. Knox, I think you way overpaid for Knox in giving him his contract extension. They're going to need almost a major overhaul in their offense, and I don't know if I trust this regime to build an offense up. They obviously can put a defense together. It Their defense always kind of seems to fizzle out at the end. But they're realistically, they've traditionally consistently been a top five, top three, top defense in the league. But we've seen in this league, it's no longer defenses win championships. It's offenses passing wins championships. And I don't know if this Regime can build an offense because they haven't done it. At the trading deadline, did we need to really go out and get Naeem Hines? Other than the New England game where Naeem Hines went out and had two kick returns, has he done anything? Deadline again, couldn't we have gone out and got Kadarius Tony? Couldn't we have gone out and gotten another wide receiver from somewhere? I can't think of offhand some of the wide receivers that got traded or if any. Couldn't we have picked up another wide receiver instead of just bringing in John Brown? Instead of just bringing in Cole Beasley? And even when we brought them in, didn't didn't really use them other than a pass here, a pass there. They've got to upgrade weapons or it's going to be the same old thing. And if those some of those rumors out there are true that Lamar Jackson might be coming to Miami that uh that uh he who not he who shall not be named is going to play quarterback for Miami you know Shmam Shmrady if he's going to come and play quarterback for Tampa Bay with those weapons, if Aaron Rodgers is going to come in, you put a good quarterback on that team that can stay healthy and give him Tyreek Hill, give him Jalen Waddell, give him a good offensive line and a pretty good defense, we might not even be the best team in the AFC East at that point. Because going into next year, we're not the top dog 
And there are a lot of people that, again, just we weren't the top dog coming into it. We were ranked the top dog, but we thought maybe this is our year to surpass Kansas City. No. We didn't think Cincinnati was going to. Well, they did. They passed us. And if Miami gets a quarterback, they're going to pass us. If the Los Angeles Chargers ever get out of their own way, and I know that's a big if, if they ever get out of their own way, we might be the fifth, sixth best team in the AFC. I know it's a little doom and gloom. I know I'm going, you know, almost worst case scenario, but after that game on Sunday, it felt horrible. They were never in that game. I know this was a long coming in hot segment, but, well, I've got nobody with me today. I can make it a little bit of a longer coming in hot segment today. Um, And we did touch on it a little bit with uh, you get to end of the season sometimes and you're just like, I, I just, this is, I just want this over. This is such a long season. And I get it. I've been a part as a coach. I've been a part of seasons where even where we've had good records, even where we've had winning records, even where, but there's been, whether it's been outside, outside stuff, off the field issues, um, issues with other athletes, injuries, you just get to a point where you're like, whew, I know we got sectionals coming up, but man, it is, what else is going to be thrown at us? Sometimes you just get to that point where you're just like, okay, it's another game. Yeah, but come on, let's, it it gets a little harder to finish that season. But you would think again, everything looked like it should have been set up to have a huge, you have the home crowd, you have DeMar Hamlin back in the building. I personally thought if he was at that game and if they showed him coming into that game, there's no way. Buffalo doesn't run through a wall and win that game. And it looked like the exact opposite. And I guess there's rumors out there or there's stories out there that um, before the game, there was just in the locker room, in in the tunnel coming out, there was just zero energy. And it carried over to the field. It absolutely carried over to the field. But... Like that old famous saying, there's always next year, but it's going to be a long, long, long off season. And let's hope they can make some adjustments and get back on track. Speaking of making adjustments and getting back on track, uh, we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk some Sabres. Hockey, and it has been, it's been fun watching them. I know they're, uh, 
I know they went through another, I guess you'd call it a little slump. Um, the Sabres did with, um, wasn't a losing job. I guess they lost three out of four, I think it was. But they have been, they've been tearing it up. I mean, their last uh, coming off of a uh, 3-2 win against the Ducks uh, the other night. Or sorry, the Stars the other night. Then a 6-3 win over the Ducks. Um, 3-2 overtime. I know you still give the Islanders a point. But the overtime win, or the overtime win against the Islanders, that was huge. A team that they were chasing down um, to really kind of snap that, that losing streak. I mean, that losing streak, let's see, it was what? It was, they lost three out of four, then five out of six prior to this, so five out of six, and then they're now on a nice three-game losing streak. Um, They've got the Blues tonight um, in St. Louis. Let's hope they can get that rolling again. Um, Standings-wise, as we take a look at the NHL standings, they're they're in the hunt. They're right where I predicted they would be um, at the start of the season. They're tied with Florida for fourth in the in the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference. Um, eight behind Tampa Bay. They're tied with Florida, but they've got three games in hand at 51 points. Um, overall for the playoffs, they are tied with the Islanders. So with the Islanders and the Panthers. Um but again, they've got three games in hand on those teams. They are currently three points out of a playoff spot. With uh, They're down by Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now has the last playoff spot uh, with 54 points. Buffalo's three points back with 51. Washington has 56 points. So they are... Um, five points back of Washington, but Washington has three games in hand. So if you look at that, if Buffalo to win win all of three of those games that they have in hand, they could be that final playoff spot. They are sitting in a really solid position right now. Um, and they've only played 46 games. So we are um, a little more than halfway through this season. And they are in a, I'd say, in in a good spot. Hopefully they can pick up more points again with St. Louis. If you, And look at some of these stats that these players are, are having. Um, Tage Thompson still leading the way with 32 goals, 31 points, or th- sorry, 32 goals, 31 assists, 63 points in 46 games. You've got Darlene, 53 points in 45 games. You've got uh, Tuck, 51 points in 46 games. And Skinner, 46 points in 43 games. They have four players that are averaging more than a point a game. Cousins is right there with 42 points in 46 games. So he's just under a point a game. But when's the last time that the Sabres had four players averaging more than a point a game? It is unheard of. 
this team can score. This team, there's no doubt about it, can score. But now, the goaltending. Eric Comrie, who was supposed to be their starting goaltender, 12 games played, four wins, eight losses, a 3.67 goals against. Ukapekalukanen, I guess, has kind of become their de facto, de facto goaltender, starting goaltender. 18 games played, 12 wins, 5 losses. Okay. One overtime loss, a 3.31 goals against. A save percentage of .899, just under 90%. Comrie, 88.3. Or sorry, 88, 88%. 0.883. Craig Anderson. Actually, Anderson, I'm kind of surprised. He's as, his is as good as he is. Eight wins, six losses. He started in fire at the beginning of the year. 17 games played. Um, two overtime losses. 2.73. I did not realize Anderson was under three. But a 2.73 and a 9.91, almost 92 save percentage, 0.918. So that's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Those are your three goaltenders. You've got to get better goaltending than that, especially from Lukanen and Comrie. You've got to get better goaltending than a 3.31 goals against and a 3.67. I mean, Buffalo has been, when they score four, five, six goals, that's fantastic. But you need better goaltending than under three. Typically, you want your goal to, I mean, can you imagine this team if you had some of these top goaltenders? Imagine this team scoring the way they're scoring with Dominic Hasek in net. I was just kind of thinking that the other day. But... It, talk about talk about which would would have been lights out. But if you look at some of these goaltender standings, um, you've got goals against the top four NHL goaltenders in the league: Gustafson with a two point two six, with Swayman from Boston, Ottinger. From Dallas, a 2.2. Samsonov with Toronto, a 2.21. And uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce this. Is this, I don't know where this guy came from. Linus, 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 Ulmark. Linus, Ulmark. Um, A 1.82 from Boston. Former Sabre goaltender. Can you imagine having one of those guys, or one of those guys still, in net with this team scoring the way they're scoring? And all of these guys are top score percentage, uh, nine two two, all the way up to a nine three eight. Can you imagine having one of those guys as your starting goaltender? Unreal. Even let's look at the middle of the road goaltenders. 
Your 10th place, Darcy Kemper, still a 255. Ratnan from Carolina, a 263. Anderson with his 273 is ranked 19th. And he's only played 17 games. I mean, Luke, uh, Uka Lukanen ranked 41st with a 331. I don't even see where Comrie is ranked. Comrie must not have enough stat numbers, games played, or whatever to even qualify on the list because he's not even on the top. I mean, it is horrible. Can you imagine subbing out Lukanen and having a goaltender even? Let's see the let's see the flurry from Minnesota, two nine four after twenty eight twenty eight games. Or even somebody from Philly who's below the Sabres. Uh Hart, who's got a two nine four. After 34 games. Copley from L.A. at 279. You've got to get better goaltending. You've got to get even above average goaltending on this team. And this team is in the playoffs. If If you have above average goaltending right now from this team, they're in the playoffs. Not only not only borderline playoffs, I mean, they're in the top three in their division. So, but that being said with the Sabres, man, they are fun to watch. And I know some of you might, some of you who are listening right now, man, Larry's just, he's cranky today. He's grouchy today. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bitter about Sunday. A um, little bitter. I'll get over it. Any Bills fan, you you ultimately over get you you get over it. But yeah, a little bitter. But the Sabers definitely pulling me through um and making it a lead, little easier because they are fun to watch and hopefully they get a W tonight against St. Louis. Um O'Reilly out of the lineup I believe today, but it it's um It's it's been making it making that that bitter pill go down a little easier. As we start switching, shifting over to hockey uh for the rest of the way, it's gonna be fun. I'm telling you, uh January has been an up and down month for the Sabres. We're back on the upswing a little bit. Rode off uh, again that losing uh five out of six or, or six out of seven uh games, but they're back. Riding that crest three games, hopefully get back and keep it going. Four-game win streak tonight. But February coming up, it's going to be a huge month. They've got some big games in February, but if they can fig- if they can keep riding um, that good streak into February and have a winning month in February... This team is going to be a playoff game. As we take a look, let's see who their next couple opponents are. 
as we we look at their schedule. Uh, again, today they'll have St. Louis, so they're on their western road trip. They'll be at St. Louis, at Winnipeg, and at Minnesota. All winnable games. All winnable games that they can finish off the month of January. Into February, they're going to have a... They're going to start getting some serious games. You've got um, at Carolina... Or sorry, home against Carolina, home against Calgary, at L.A., um, at Anaheim to finish off there. So another mini West streak because they'll go... Uh, home against Calgary, then at L.A., at Anaheim, at San Jose, home against Toronto, at Tampa Bay, at Florida, home against Washington, home against Columbus. So you've got some big games in there, but if they can finish off the month of February, so from here until the end of February, we're talking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, counting tonight, 13 games. That'll get you through February. Win eight of those, nine of those. So eight and five, nine and nine and four. That should be enough to ride into March in a playoff berth, in a playoff spot. And it's gonna, it's, you're talking if we can be in that pitcher. The next 13 games, March is gonna be fun because you've got a couple more against the Islanders. You've got no more against Pittsburgh. Really, you're done with Pittsburgh. Um, but you've got um, one, two more against the Islanders. You've got. Um, one more against Washington, who you're trying to catch. You've got one, two more against Tampa Bay, a team that you could be trying to catch. You've got games against Florida, games against Detroit, who you're trying to hold off. It's going to be a fun finish. It's going to be a real fun finish. And you've got a lot of winnable games. Only have two more against Boston. Toronto games are going to be fun. You've only got two more against Toronto. Honestly, the Toronto, the Boston games, Boston, they're not at Boston's level yet. Not sure if they will be this year. You're not at Boston's level yet. Toronto, you'll give them a tough battle, not... Other than you take away the Toronto and Boston games, I'm not saying they're going to win the rest of the way out. Don't get me wrong. But every other team that they're playing, they'll, they should give them a run. And who knows? Maybe you steal one against Boston. But it's going to be a fun way to finish. It's already better than years past where by this time you're looking, well, okay, if they lose more games, they'll, they they can finish top five in the draft. They can get a, uh, another good center. They can get another good winger. They're in the lotto, so let's start losing so we increase our lotto pick. You're not looking at that anymore. You're looking at this is the first year, I don't know, probably 10-plus seasons that I've really started looking at the stats, started looking at the standings, 
Okay, they're three games in hand on the Islanders. All right, they just went out. They're three games in hand on this. It's fun. It's fun. It's it's it's. I'm having, and I'm dating myself here, but I'm having flashbacks of as a kid, 14, 15, 16-year-old kid getting the, getting the Buffalo News or getting the Niagara Gazette, um, either reading it before I go to school or reading it when I get home and looking up the standings and doing the math and doing the numbers. Okay, look, well, they, if they catch here and looking to who they're playing and trying to find, look on their, your, your refrigerator when you had the calendar up there for the schedule. It's fun. And I hope they make the playoffs and they're able to find their way in. But at this point, it at least looks like we're definitely going to be playing meaningful games in February, meaningful games in the March, and hopefully some meaningful games in the April and beyond. It's going to be a good finish, a fun finish. Finally, hockey is going is fun again. Finally, the Sabres are fun again. And they're doing it in a sustainable way. It At least the numbers, it doesn't appear to be fluky wins. So let's just keep going, get that better goaltending. And this is the first trading deadline that's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, But this is going to be a fun trading deadline. Who can they pick in? Do they take a big swing at a goaltender? Do they take a big swing at getting another forward in or getting another top four defenseman? Do they take a big swing at a top player whether they trade away draft picks, whether they trade away some of this up-and-coming young talent, do you take a big swing to make a push? Maybe by the deadline you're you're still either two or three points in or two or three points out. Are they going to make that big swing to get that player? Or any swing, even a small swing. Are they going to be buyers at the deadline instead of sellers? And man, is it going to be fun. All right, we're going to go into our hot seat questions. Question one. What position do the Bills draft this upcoming draft? Wide receiver. Please, Lord, let it be a wide receiver. I don't care if you've got to trade up into the top five, top ten. Get a top flight wide receiver. I don't care if you've got to trade some draft picks. I haven't really checked out who the top receivers are from college. I mean, I'll I'll be doing that later on, but I haven't gotten too much into the college football draft or college football this year, but draft the top flight receiver. Draft two. But get a good Wide receiver, please draft a top wide receiver. Second round, go with a lineman. Third round, go with another wide receiver. Fourth round, go with another lineman, offensive lineman. Fifth round, if you lose Poyer, fine. Pick up your safety in the fifth round. Pick him up via free agency, I don't care. But please reload, or just not even reload, load that offense up. 
And if they pick another defensive lineman, I might not watch the Bills this year in the first round if they pick a defensive lineman in the first round. Stop it. All right, question number two. Do the Bills, sorry, do the Sabres make the playoffs? I'm kind of going vague questions here. Whatever. I'm the only one here. I can make up my questions. Yes. The Sabres make the playoffs. I said at the beginning of the year, I was, I, I kind of, I wavered. I, I, I hedged. I said they'll either make the playoffs or they'll be battling. They'll be, they'll be battling in that nine, in, in that, that seven to 10 range. They're going to finish. I'm no longer hedging with this team. I'm saying they're going to finish in either that seventh or eighth spot. They're going to finish in one of their wild card spots. I don't think they've got enough to catch Tampa Bay for third in the division and get that that automatic spot, but I do think that they'll finish higher. It looks like either Washington or Pittsburgh uh, throw the Islanders in there. Um, I think they're going to surpass at least one of those three teams or two of those three teams. I think they'll ultimately... I think they're ultimately going to leapfrog Washington. I think Pittsburgh is playing better as of late. I think Pittsburgh will will not plummet out. I think Pittsburgh finishes in the eighth spot. Buffalo finishes in the seventh spot. Washington finishes in the ninth. Or the Islanders, vice versa. But I think Buffalo will finish in the seventh spot and make the playoffs. Which I think at this point will put them in line to face... um, who would that put them in line to face? Wouldn't Boston will Boston would face um, Pittsburgh at that point? Um, I can't think of who the top team in, or the, the top team in the Metro is. It would uh, let me go back. Uh, either way, they are. They are finishing, I think, in that, I'm going to say in that seventh spot. So, yes, I do think they'll make the playoffs. And who knows? You got to be in it to win it if they make that playoffs. Who knows if they can't? uh, Right now, they would play Carolina. Carolina's the top in the Metro with 66 points. They get in the seventh spot, they get in a series with Carolina. Who knows? Devils are right behind them. Who knows? That'd be fun. New Jersey with uh, with Ruff, New Jersey-Buffalo series, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to talk about. But I think they'll get in. All right. Question number three. Um, let's see. What do I want? Favorite... Uh, Favorite movie, I guess, on Netflix. I'm going to talk a little bit about one movie that I've I've kind of watched, um, finished it uh, a couple days ago. Molly's Game on Netflix. So I guess it's not so much of a question, but I guess we're, we'll do a question three. It will be a movie a movie choice or a movie uh, recommendation. I'm going to say Molly's Game. If nobody's seen it, um, it's the uh, I guess true story. I'm not sure how many liberties. <clears throat> bless you, bless uh, bless me. 
um, that they took with it. But Molly, Molly's game, um, the true story, or based on the true story of uh, Molly Bloom, a former um, professional skier. Um, she was running poker games with some celebrity clients, big games in L.A., Big switched over to big games in New York, got arrested um, for it. If they were legal, but then she started taking a rake, so it wasn't. It went switched to illegal. She did some stuff. Really cool. I finished watching it a couple days ago. Um, really enjoyed it. So Molly's game, check it out. Um, I thought it was and and afterwards it was interesting to see because they have some of those um, where they they were talking about one of the characters who was a Hollywood actor. They called him Player X in the movie, but apparently it was based totally on Tobey Maguire, which I thought was really, like, interesting the way that, I mean, you never would have thought that's how he was depicted. Really cool. Um, did a little reading on the backstory. She also wrote a book on it, um, so it's based on the book. Awesome. Great re- or great story. I actually might even get the book and read more on it, but great Great story. Great movie. All right. Question four. Um, let's see. We. What are you looking forward to, I guess? Big thing that I'm looking forward to in this new year with 2013 being not even a month old yet. Hmm. Biggest thing I'm looking forward to this year. Listen, this is going to be a lame answer, but I'm a teacher. I think I'm speaking for maybe not every teacher, but a lot of teachers. The biggest thing I look forward to, not only this year, but every year, the last day of school. I think for us this year in Buffalo City, I think it's June 24th, 25th. Um, That Friday, I think the last day of classes for us is the 24th, and the last day of school would be the 25th. But I'm looking for word to the last day of school. No, sorry, the last day with kids is the 22nd. Last day of classes is the 23rd, I believe. So I'm looking forward to the last day of school. Or just give me to June. But it's always an exciting time for a teacher. So that's what I'm looking for. I know, again, kind of a lame answer. And the last question, question number five. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I know usually when I'm here by myself, I kind of go, uh, I'll, I'll have either Vicky uh, write down questions or text me questions or Sarah or some of my athletes. Um, today... <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Today it kind of got busy, so didn't really, um, didn't really have that time to do it. But um, all right, we'll keep this. We'll keep this. I guess lame with the uh, with both the divisional game or the AFC Championship and NFC Championship games coming up. Who do you see going to the Super Bowl? Um. I see San Francisco coming out of the NFC. I just see them being too strong of a team. I know Philadelphia is playing tough. You know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to say I'm I'm going to give my my buddy 
Uh, Andrew Williams, a little love here. He's a big Philly fan. I'm going to say Philadelphia goes to the Super Bowl against Cincinnati. If if Mahomes did not go down with an injury, I think Mahomes and the Chiefs finally take care of Cincinnati. But I think Cincinnati just goes to another Super Bowl. And I hate to say it, I think they lose another Super Bowl. I'm going to give my buddy Andrew Williams even more love. I'm going to say Philadelphia beats uh, the 49ers next week or this coming Sunday. Cincinnati beats Kansas City. And in almost three weeks from now, less than three weeks from now, a little less than three weeks from now, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl in Arizona to win another championship. And that would put Cincinnati in back-to-back Super Bowl losses. It's going to hurt Bengals fans. You'll be halfway to the hurt that we feel, but it'll hurt. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting against you. All right. That'll do it for uh, this episode. Make sure... Send us a direct message. Send me a direct message on Facebook if you'd like to be a guest on our show. Um, If you have any ideas for future shows. uh, Also, look for us on Facebook, on Instagram, at Stories from the Sidelines. Check out our YouTube page. And as always, make sure you tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines.